Simo and Redmond are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. Hey folks, it's Simo and welcome to the Thong Slappers short story series that we call to the 60. The next up in our Moot Rocket episodes is Thomas Stokes. I'm having a chat with Tom today. Here you go. Good Simo, not too bad. That's a shot. Listen, I've got a few ulterior motives for getting you onto the Moot Rocket series. First of all, I love the work that you and Zachary are doing on your YouTube channel, which is Backyard Builds Australia. But also, you're a valiant man, so that straight away, it just, yeah, just warms the cockles of my heart that you're a valiant yeah. man. And not only that, you're actually a young bloke, mate. What are you, like 25, 26, something like that? Yeah, so I turned 26 earlier in the year. And uh, I'll correct you there. I'm not quite a valiant man, but I do have a soft spot for him. Rightio. Look, thanks for joining us, mate. I'll chat to you later, eh? Good luck with the channel. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I'll talk <laughs> no. <to> you. <laughs> no, just kidding you, mate. Listen, as you know, I know you're a listener of the Thong Slappers podcast and also the Mort Rocket right, series. That, look, I know I ask this of everyone, but I'm just curious. How did you find out about the Thong Slappers in the first place? It was sort of just by chance, in all honesty. Like, I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and I just saw, oh, what's that? And just clicked on it and... There it was, and the rest is history. Okay. No, all fair enough. Jump on the podcast, and yeah, fell in love with it, so... Oh, that's great to hear, mate. It's always nice to hear some positive feedback. That's always a good thing. And look, I found the same with uh, the YouTube show that you guys are doing. It's it's really good, especially also to being a valiant man. My dad actually had a VG Dodge Ute we built a few years ago. And after seeing the work you guys are doing on the floor pan of your VE, I realized I went about ours completely the wrong way. I tried to like patch what was there, whereas you guys are actually replacing the entire sheet metal floor. And that looks like such a much better job to do. Like by the end of it, it look like a Hannibal Lecter type, you know, skin suit, the, the job I yeah, did. So. That, we, we said that in one of the episodes. We started prepping it and we just went, yeah. oh, shit, this is, this is huge. Yeah. And we just went, you know what, let's just cut it all out and go for gold. Yeah, yeah, I can see why, and it looks really good. I mean, I just hid mine with carpet, so that was okay, but well, anyway. Well, that's what no. we figured. No one's going to see it from, <laughs> from the seating side, so what does it matter? Yeah, but it's looking really cool. Listen, I guess first up, I want to ask you, how does someone your age get into and have such an affinity for late 60s Australian-built utes? So you also have a, is it an HK or HTG ute? Oh, do you want me to rattle off the list, Simon? Yeah, go for it, mate. Years. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Well, we'll start from the top. My daily used to be a HZ Holden Ute, which I've just freshened the motor in. Yeah. I've got a HT Kingswood Ute, a HG Kingswood Ute, an EH Ute, a HQ panel van, um, two HK Monaros, the Valiant Ute was Zach, uh, an FC panel van, and I feel like, oh, and, a, and the 57 Chev. Holy shit, mate, that's a very, <laughs> that's an awesome repertoire for someone your age too, to have those collections there. And so, like, what are the plans? Are you just going to get to these things? Is it the whole case of you better to be looking at it than looking for it? And then just over well, the next yeah, however many years? It, yeah, yeah. Better, better off to have it than not. Yeah, I mean, big I've, time. I've sort of by chance fluked every sort of purchase, honestly. Yeah. I've just, just been right place, right time. And I'm, I'm always really polite when I just approach someone's house. And, you know, if they say no, I just walk away, you know. If I can strike up a conversation, that's it. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are your plans for the Monaros? Like, are you going resto or a bit of resto mod, or what's the go there? What do you think? I actually, I actually picked up one a couple of years ago, and it's just a bare shell. It's no quarters. It's literally just a shell and. Oh wow! Thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's it it was a big project, but I got it for next to nothing. So 
it was it was always just sat in the back corner and it was going to get to it. And then a friend of mine actually had a wrecked Monaro yeah. um, that I managed to purchase off him last year. And it was tags, doors, you know, gave me all the parts that I was missing off mine. So eventually I'll combine the two and it'll be um, it'll be something special, but I won't give too much away because I don't want to ruin it for people. <laughs> Fair enough. All, my, all myself. <laughs> no pressure. Look, I know by looking at the at the stuff you do, it's not going to be a full on, you know, replica or genuine GDS curious, with red walls and hubcaps and all this. Yeah, awesome to hear. There's plenty <laughs> of those around. And look, that's the thing too. When I look at it in terms of years, like I'm nearly double your age. So someone your age doing up 60s cars now would have been the equivalent of me at your age probably dabbling with like FX and FJ Holdens, like late yeah. 40s, early 50s. So it kind of makes sense. It's just that cycle of time, like as the as the years go on. So, yeah. you know, man, that's a really good collection you've got there. And how did you get into cars in the first place? Like was it through family? Was it through friends? Like what was the thing that, especially this era really car? I ever had like the traditional sort of up bringing cars like i wasn't born into a car mad family right dad had a ht sedan from pretty much the time i was born and that was that was like the first 12 years of my childhood just that car and i loved it sweet i I really missed that he sold it yeah it was sort of that that sort of started it all for me just helping down the shed do oil changes filter changes you know stuff like that yeah i wasn't yeah i wouldn't say it was really the street car scene yeah It it was just the backyard shed that's fantastic. And is your dad still into cars now, or was he just always a home maintenance kind of guy more so than a builder? It was more just a home maintenance sort of thing. Like he, at my age, or even younger than myself, he started with an EJ sedan, then he resprayed in a gravel driveway with a beaver. <laughs> and an airless spray gun as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and surprisingly, he reckons he did a great, did a great job of it. He's, yeah, he's not like car mad, but he loves to come over and help me out now, which, is, which I've found really awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that is good to hear. And especially too, it's just a good way and also like a good excuse when everyone's so busy. It's a good way to spend time with your family, like with your dad or whoever, or yeah. it's, it's it's sort of a great way to do it as well. And you're actually doing something together. So you have the enjoyment of time together, but also you going towards a final product as well. And that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 exactly right. So what was actually your first car? My first car that I bought was an EH um, wagon. Yeah. I was about... Oh, 15 or 16 I bought that. I by chance saw it on the side of the road and pulled over with my dad actually and we had a look at it <laughs> and out of pure luck, the guy that put it on the side of the road drove past and pulled in and he goes, oh, what are you doing? We said, oh, just looking at it, my buyer was going to give you the ring. I'll drop it off now. And I said, done. Sweet. Perfect. Paid, paid the man the money and he was there half an hour later. <laughs> and what did you end up doing with that? Was this like your driver or what did that end up being? Oh, uh, it, it needed... Um, it needed a bit more work than I was probably capable of at that age. Right, yeah. But um, I never really got into it. I started stripping the floor pans and painting them, but I just never never finished it, and it, it, it got sold as an unfinished project. Oh, okay. Hey, you're a sheedy by trade, aren't you? Yeah, that's the technical term, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, that must, <laughs> like, super-duper come in handy as far as, like, resto and all that sort of work goes. I mean, obviously, I know you can weld and do all the rest of it, and, um, yeah, that must come in definitely come in handy with those sorts of projects too especially oh, Monaro if you're doing quarters and all that stuff oh, oh look I wouldn't say I'm a metal genius like some of the other guys you see on Instagram but you know I'll, I'll, I'll give anything a stab and that's the main thing too just as long as you have a crack and look if you're not out to try and win Smotty or you're not trying to win Grand Champion at, at Summonats there's no reason why you can't still have a good nice tidy car that you can actually get out and enjoy and that's absolutely. really what it's all about isn't it yeah absolutely I wouldn't say any of my cars that are a tidy but 
you know, I, I can say that I've worked on them. They're all me. They're both my blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> so to say. Yeah, yeah. And you're a bit of a Forby nut as well, are you? Do you do a bit of Forby I'd, stuff? I don't mind a bit of a Forby, yeah. It's yeah, sort okay. of sort of the other side of the, of the coin, I guess, for me. Yeah, okay. And what do you run Forby-wise at the moment? Oh, look, I'm a concrete cowboy with a Toyota Land Cruiser. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> mate, that to me just seems like an awesome tow car for all the stuff you're dragging home constantly. Oh, it's the perfect tow car now. <laughs> hey, um, we, can fit, we can fit three wide and off we go <laughs> hey listen before we do a bit more in your ve ute i just wanted to pass on a bit of we had a bit of a viewers question for you funnily enough okay yeah absolutely now this question comes from todd zachary very suspicious <laughs> name oh yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't have any clue who that would be yes <laughs> his, his question can you please ask thomas how far a 202 will go with no oil in it at 120 kilometers an hour Please, please explain. <laughs> uh, so when me and Zach met, we we got on like a house on fire, and we um we thought we go to we go to Hawkesbury Swap Meet up in Sydney, um, yeah, on Clarendon Showgrounds. So being the the mad driver that I am, I said I'll pick you up and we'll we'll drive up there in my car. So off we went. I picked him up after work on Saturday and flew up to Sydney at you know probably a bit more than 120 but we won't say that on on <laughs> on record hey sorry what was this 202 allegedly in it was in my hzu oh okay yeah sorry yeah resume yeah so, yeah off we went to sydney we got up got up there we bummed around looking at a wrecking yard and got out to the swap meet a little bit early and as we got back to the hotel i was thinking jesus is rattly you know oh well whatever That's solid cam you, she's right yeah yeah solid cam flat tab it you know yeah Check, check the oil. Oh, it's not on the dipstick. <laughs> but it had oil pressure. So I was like, well, there's something in there. So you can't be doing too bad. So we went down to the closest servo. I bought the cheapest four litres of oil I could, left the car running outside, locked, walked out, poured it all in, and off we went. Oh, so it didn't seize up or let go or anything, but I guess it is a red motor, isn't it? So that probably Look, explains a lot. you couldn't kill it with fire. But anyway, the, ne- the next morning, I jumped in the shower, and Zach's like, oh, I'll start the ute. Yeah, no worries. And the whole time I was in the shower, he was cranking that ute. He said, I walked out there and he goes, it won't fire. Thinking, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> Get out, give me a go. Got it to fire. And then we drove it down to the swap. I was like, oh, it's a bit doughy. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't want to take <laughs> off. It doesn't want to pull, but it sort of, it doesn't sound that bad. And anyway, went to the swap meet, you know, fart-assed around there for half a day. Had a look at all the cars and jumped back on the highway and drove it all the way home. So what was the go there? Was it just like you'd fitted 20,000 over pistons into a standard bore? Was it that kind of feeling for the engine? There like was, just there was you no wore it free? slap. There was no bearing noise. There was no rocker <laughs> noise. It just didn't want to pull. And I thought, fuck, <laughs> who knows what's going on here? Anyway, I got the shits with it and I, I pulled that motor out trying to figure it out and jammed another motor in in a weekend because that's what we do. Yeah, of course. Anyway, I, by chance, someone wanted that motor years later. And I said, yeah, look, I'll sell it to you for, I think it was a box of beer or something. But I sold him. I said, there's, there's, a, there's an issue with it. There's something wrong with it. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, no worries. And he, had a, he was putting it in a Land Rover and doing a lap of Australia. So I was like, yeah, go, oh, you know, go for it. <laughs> As I was pulling all the accessories out of it, I pulled the distributor out with the cap off. And I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it and I went, oh, you're kidding me. The little hexagonal gear on the distributor shaft was actually round. Oh! <laughs> so the points were welded closed. <laughs> oh, nicely done. Yeah. But yeah, it made it home. Yeah. Not, well, not the first time it did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's funny. Thinking about stuff like that, my neighbour Darcy, young guy, he's probably actually about your age, maybe a little bit older. He's got a, um, I think it's a, he's like does up cars, like older stuff. He's got old Hiluxes. His brother's got a pretty cool HT and that sort of thing. And his daily basher as a trader. Almost sounds like my family. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a, it's either a Ford Ranger or the Mazda. What is it, BT50? One of those two things. Anyway, it's a full drive. He just bought it because he wanted a reliable air-conditioned car just to tow his trailer and all that sort of shit. Anyway, the fucking engine hold a piston. It hasn't even done 100,000 Ks, and he'd only had it for a couple of months when it did it. The repair bill to fix this thing, and he's pretty handy, like, mechanically anyway, but just to try and fix this thing is nearly 10 grand. So he ended up buying, like, another $1,500 Hilux to drive until he can get the (laughs) coin together to fix it. So there's a lot to be said for just you know, hanging in there with old stuff. Like, I know my Mr. Juicy van, that thing's probably touch wood, has let me down twice in, you know, like 15 years. Yeah. And it was both the times it was the same thing, the Chrysler electronic ignition box, which are famous for it. So, you know, it's just, (laughs) I don't know, like, try doing that in a newer vehicle. Would you have survived? Probably not. Probably not. Look, my Blue Ute has gotten me home every single time, but twice. Only twice I've never gotten home. Yeah. Once when I blew the diff to absolute smithereens. Oh, that would have like, been driving just normally, I'm sure. Oh, it was whining for probably six months. Oh, okay. And I was just thinking, ah, it'll be right. Keep going <laughs> until it finally let go. Did you pro-peg the fuck out of it beforehand? No, I just flogged the shit out of it. I didn't. It, it didn't have the guts to do it. <laughs> the stock 186 that it was you know, in front of just... Yeah, had, it was gutless. And it just, just, it was the original diff I found in the end. Oh, okay, fair enough. This car has probably got like a million kilometres on it, and it had the original banjo diff still in it. Oh, that's the go. Yeah, <laughs> banjo. It just, it, that says it, it all. It just chewed the chewed the pinion bearings to pieces, and then it just it slapped around on the crown wheel until the until the teeth were off it. <laughs> and I was dead set driving this fifty k's every day to and from work. Yeah, nice. For months like this. Hey, I'm promising to get on and talk about your VEU, but just before I do, I need to lay a little bit of groundwork. How did you and Zachary actually become mates? It's We'll, we'll cut, like you say, we'll cut a long story short. We, Famously, um, yeah. Yeah. We went to tech together. He was a year below me and our other sort of mate, Saxon. And by chance, a bloke that I used to work with was working at his shop. And we just sort of started talking and we found out we like utes. And yeah, like I said, we got on like a house on fire. Yeah, nice. And what sort of spurred on the idea to do your YouTube show? It was more just a um, oh, stroke of genius, you could call it. Yeah. <laughs> you see all these YouTube channels now and, and like stuff like Roadkill and all those kinds of shows, and they sort of they, they very quickly show you the build, whereas they're not showing you the build as such. So we just wanted to show our side of, of how we build cars. So being sheeties with that sort of knowledge, you know, obviously the flaws, like you mentioned, mm. you know, we've, we've tried to explain as much of how we do that as we can. Yeah. So it's just sort of our take on building cars with, with being able to actually see the build happen. And what have you got planned for the VE Ute? I know you're converting it to Hemipower, aren't you? Like it was a Slant 6, wasn't it, originally? Yeah, so it was, it was a 225 Slant 6 with the um, Borgwater 35 behind it. Auto right. on the column, which is yeah. quite a, we found quite a rare option for a Ute. Definitely. A factory auto. Yeah. So uh, the original plan was we were just going to do a hot slant with triple webbers on it, and then we sort of fell into a Hemi 6, and then we found a K-frame, and, well, yeah, it, it bolts up really quick and easy. 
<laughs> Definitely. And listen, I did that conversion quite a few years ago into a VE wagon. I think all I had to do was bend the fan blades back towards the engine a little bit, and I actually shoved the radiator. I sweated off the bracketry for the radiator and moved mm. that forward on the brackets about half an inch, and that was it. But, I mean, you being a sheet, you could probably just whip up and tie in your inner guards and radiator support anyway. But it's, <laughs> it is it makes such a difference to the car from being a slant, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. The fact that it bolted in just was like a no-brainer for us in the end. We are like, yep, that's, that's it. We're going with this. Yeah, sweet. And, and then, tell us what you're going to do, like, power plant-wise. What's the go there? So it's a 245 truck motor. Nice, yep. So it's already got uh, forge rod. As far as I'm aware, it's a forge crank. I think um, you'll actually find, sorry, just uh, cutting quickly. Yeah. Now, all the Valiant purists will correct me, but I have this feeling that the Dodge truck 245s have actually got the same crank and rods as an RT Charger. Yeah, uh, I think look, that's how it kind me. of... I'm, no, I'm seriously, I'm pretty sure that they are. So, But yeah, look, you're definitely right. Better crank and rods, yeah. Yeah, so, so better crank and rod. And what we actually found is we had a 265 Hemi sitting here that we were thinking about using, and we sort of compared the port sizes, and the truck motor's actually got larger ports from factory. So it's oh, almost sweet. like it's factory ported. Yeah. Um, as well as it's got valve rotators on it. So it's got like a little shimmed bearing that actually turns the valve. So we sort of looked at all that stuff and went, you know what, this is probably going to be a slightly better motor. And this motor come out of a uh, like an AT4 or something, I think we were told, and it had bugger all Ks on it. So we know it's already uh, 20 thou overboard. Yeah. So we'll probably take it maybe 40 thou and um, see how it goes. We'll put uh, some serious rods and pistons in it just to handle a bit of a... Uh, boost and is your plan strip action or is it like say a drag challenge type thing street and strip or what are you kind we'd of going like, for down that we'd path sort of, we'd definitely love to do drag challenge in it but um we're sort of going for that street strip kind of look to it it's going to look you know ratty and crap on the outside but it's just going to scare the pants off you hopefully <laughs> sweet have you seen uh do you know a guy called simon chihuahua he's built a ve ute with a barra turbo motor in it yeah i have seen that there's actually a bloke in canberra that did that um oh, i can't think of his name his name's michael something but it's the rest of it's escaped me oh the blue but, sedan um, yeah yeah there yeah. was a blue sedan i think he did that but he also did a, a, he did a black i think it's VG a vg actually that's right yeah so yeah. look i think turboing a hemi i think it's a great combination as well like and still sticks keeps it chrysler if that's what you're after but i think that'd be awesome and i know with the body on that it's got some pretty good patina already so you're going to keep a lot of that intact so it should be a nice little bit of a sleeper too yeah well that's what we're going for we've we've got um we're going to get a set of 15 inch wheels made up for it with um standard centers yeah so we can still yeah. run the hubcap but we've got a bit more choice of tire size in that way yeah sure and then we'll have we'll have another set of wheels which will come out in a later episode backyard build so yeah we'll, yeah, keep, we'll keep those under wraps for now <laughs> fair enough i always remember the dodge phoenix 15 inch wheels were the same as late valiant or ford pattern and you could run the smaller valiant like dog dish hubcaps that was always a cool conversion yeah. too yeah if you can even yeah, still buy yeah, those so wheels if they're still around so we're going to late model ford pattern for or late model valiant you know crossover forward pattern just just for better choice and brakes too because yeah like my old man yep. always says it doesn't matter how fast you can go you've got to be able to stop at the other end <laughs> wise words mate wise words yeah and what do you got <laughs> happening as far as transmission and diff and that sort of stuff for the car too we've gone with the 904 because we can actually we found we can actually can keep it on the column that way yes so yep. we've got a huge valve body a stage two valve body fully manualized reverse pattern yep and all on the column so we've gone with that uh, we'll probably run, we're still in the, in the process of sizing the converter, but it'll be somewhere around three and a half, maybe a little bit lower, a little bit higher, 
but around there somewhere. And then um, for diff, we've actually picked up uh, an AU Falcon diff, so that'll give us the disc brake rear. They're pretty close to width, but we're gonna we're gonna shorten it a little bit anyway. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. It'll give us that, that strong Dana 80 or M75 center or M78 center. Yeah. So, better, yeah. again, better choice of gears, stronger gears on the market. We can go full spool, LSD, you know, whatever we want. That's exactly that right. Terms. Like Borg Warners, you can buy so much stuff for those these days that you can build a really tough diff without having to go down the 9-inch or Dodge 8 and 3 quarter yeah, part too. Yeah, correct. We, mm. didn't, we didn't really want to go down that, down that route because it was the parts become more expensive. Yes, yep. So, we're trying to keep everything on the cheap because we're tight asses. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, mate. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you got coming up in uh, Backyard Builds Australia as well? Like after the Ute's sorted, oh, what are you going to dabble with? You reckon? After fully finished, because you know projects are never finished, Simon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after it's finished, we want to. Um, Zach and I have also got the um, FC panel van, which oh, was cool. factory delivered with wagon windows in it. Oh wow! Yeah, I know the type you mean. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, so the very the very rear actually curves into the tailgate. And didn't Zachary just pick up a VC wagon as well with a big block or something like that? <laughs> we did do a uh, quick trip to Sydney for that. Yes, <laughs> but I'm sure he'll divulge into that a bit more. But yeah, it was a a pretty tidy VC wagon. Yeah. Um, yep. Four forty big block crate motor. So yeah, that's his project. That's his personal project. So yeah. There might be an episode on that down the track as well. Good stuff. I look forward to seeing all that all come together, especially too, I find as I'm getting older and much lazier and less motivated to actually build cars myself, <laughs> I just like watching other people build cars and just sort of live my dreams through them. So, Look, we've, we all got to do that at some point, I suppose. <laughs> you've, you've got to find the inspiration somewhere. Yeah, that's exactly it. But I've got to say, I've done enough builds to sort of say that I, can, I've, I think I've earned that right. So yeah, oh, I think you have too. I've creeped on you a little bit there, Simon. But yeah, you've got some. You've had some nice cards and a lot of Valiants, I must say. Oh man, it's seriously. I don't even want to know how many Valiants it's been. But yeah, that's a story for another time. I think I still haven't learnt my lesson. Oh look, you never do. Good stuff. And hey, I, I just I want to ask you also: Have you got any dream projects you'd like to do? Like, is there something else you'd like to put together? Ooh, that's a pretty pretty dangerous. That's a loaded question there, Simon. Fucking oath. I can. I, I give you the option. You can choose, say, between three and five cars if that makes it easier. <laughs> oh, well, if we go on that sort of route, yeah, yeah, there's plenty there. Nah, look, <laughs> if, if it's a if it's a dream car, money's no object. Oh, I, I'd probably want to build my Monaro, honestly. Yeah, no fair call too. Yeah. It's just it's just that amazing Australian classic muscle car shape. Yeah. And you can't get better than a HK Monaro, especially no, they... especially not in Holden, I think. Just definitely so iconic as well, and you just have to look at what photos are cropping up. People have been building Monaros since they were new, you know, all oh, through yeah. the styles, all through the decades, and yeah, it's really, it's really cool. They've got such a strong yeah. legacy, not I, only with motorsport had, but also I had with street such machine. A good hand in um in a friend's Monaro. Yeah, it, it's it's a street machine feature car, um, hostile. The yellow okay. HK. Yeah, you, you can look it up. Everyone can look it up in their own time. They'll find it. But um, yeah, that was that was a good friend of mine's car, and that thing's just a wicked bit of gear. And I just went, yeah, I've got to, I've got to have me one of those. <laughs> Fair call. Hey, uh, how many episodes are you guys sort of looking to do on each car? Just as many as it takes, or what's kind of your timeline for putting ep- fresh episodes out for us all to catch up on? We do. We're trying to we're trying to put one out every two to three weeks at the moment. Yeah. Um, it sort of depends on our schedules, you know. We both we both work full time, so 
We're trying yes. to designate every Sunday at my house in the shed all day. Yep, perfect. But, um, we want to get we want to get the Ute down to Crozes on the Murray next year. Oh, fantastic! It's good to have kind of deadlines to work towards, isn't it? It makes you just do that little bit every day to try and get Look, there. We've, we've so. been saying that for the last two years, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't say which year of COTM, but, you know, exactly. I guess if you make it next year, 2021, just write 2020 off. It's just been fucked for everyone. Let's just oh, scrap the whole it? year and, uh, yeah, just go for 2021 for sure. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll make it there eventually, whether it's come hell or high water. <laughs> Good stuff. Just to wrap things up, I just wanted you to put out to everyone listening, what's the best way for people to find you guys? Like, obviously, you personally, but also Backyard Builds Australia. What's all your social media garble as far as sites and that sort of thing? Do you guys do Facebook and all that sort of stuff, or is it just Instagram? I think, or? I think we've got a Facebook page. Look, Zach's more the, the media giant for us. Okay, but, um, yeah. We're on Instagram, we are backyardbuilds underscore oz. Um, you can find most of our updates on there. There's always a link on our Instagram straight to our YouTube channel, which is just Backyard Builds is one word. Like I said, I think there's a Facebook page, but Zach will confirm with that. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to get a hold of us, you know, I'm I'm Thomas Stokes on Instagram, um, Zachary's 54 Customs, Backyard Builds we share. So just yep. send, us a, send us a little thing on the paper airplane and, you know, we're pretty good at replying most of the time, so... That's the answer go. most questions, help other people out, you know. Was it you who actually taught me that that thing was a paper aeroplane? Was it you who told me that? Someone very much wiser than me, I kept calling it the triangle, and they said, no, nah, it's a paper aeroplane. Was that you? Look, it definitely wasn't me, because I only heard it the other day, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe you heard it from me. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> on the podcast. Good <laughs> shit, mate. Hey, listen, it's been fantastic having you on, and I've really enjoyed having a chat to you. And look thing is too like i said you guys in your 20s you're just friggin' holding the flame for us older blokes with cars and with this era of cars we love and it's so good to see younger people like yourself coming look at 26 you probably feel really old but let me tell you you're young okay it's probably look, back, you know my back feels probably the same age as you but like <laughs> what I'm 75 yeah. oh, i was gonna say 80 but yeah <laughs> Yeah, mate. So look, it's really, it's great to see, you know, people your age, seriously, it's great to see people your age flying the flag and, and going to keep street machining and car building alive for hopefully decades think, to come. So that's awesome, mate. are getting too much into the Commodores now. So it's good, it's good that some of us are sticking with the real steel and playing with the good stuff. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. No, that's great. And I look forward to seeing many more episodes on Backyard Builds Australia. So that's fantastic. Cheers for your yeah. time. No worries, Simon. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Thomas. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. Okay, for Mootrock, we have Chris Coit. That's Russell's brother. Chris, I've known for a lot of years, probably about 20 years. And I tell you what, this guy knows how to build a really cool car. He just follows his own plan, puts his mind to everything, and does some great stuff. So I'm sure you'll really enjoy this next Moot Rocket episode we have. Hey, how you going, Chris? Yeah, salubrious yourself. Salubrious, sober and salubrious. Well, uh, welcome to Australia's first named dedicated streetcar podcast. Yeah, good to be here. Um, known you both for a long time, so yeah, and been listening since you started. You're a, you're in mutt. Yeah, yeah, well and truly in mutt. Um, <laughs> so uh, what did you have for lunch? So it's obviously lunchtime at my work, it's lunchtime at your work. What do you got for lunch? Um, I just had a packet of Doritos. Wow, I win. I had a sausage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I win no matter what. <laughs> I got a sausage roll. And I put Vegemite on it and cheese on top of that and I microwaved it and it was beautiful. Yeah, no, that sounds like a whole heap of heartburn for me. Mm. 
Yeah, it's a pretty common theme on this uh, Legend of the Lunchtime, the old heartburn. Yeah, yeah, well, we're all getting old, eh? Well, we de- we're definitely old. The only problem I'm going to have with this this Legend of the Lunchtime is how are we ever going to keep it to half an hour? Yeah, well, that's when um, we spoke about doing it. That's what my concern was. Um, I think we might call this part one. Yeah. We'll get you back. Yeah, on. yeah, because there's a lot happened in the um, last four decades, nearly five decades we've been around. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, getting, it's getting on. Yeah. You've got so much stuff going on with streetcars. I'm just trying to pick a point here. Like, uh, right, I'll put a dot mark right here. Originally, a guy that uh, – actually, I met you through jumping Johnny Watts, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, uh, Johnny Longprong. Johnny Longprong, um, that's him. Yeah, yeah. He um, gave me your number one day and said, you did a bit of writing for – couple of mags and that sort of thing and um yeah to give you a yell oh, i was just gonna say yeah and it all sort of led on from there it was quite funny how i'd done the wrong car <laughs> yeah of course we're doing an article for a uh, a one brand magazine that's now defunct and every time i mention his name somebody wants to shoot me but um yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh of course i was task to go to your place which is mount mopar is your address yeah quite literally you can you can send yep. us a photo of the street sign and i can confirm that yeah. yep so when i got there you got your valiant your ap5 out and i just lost my mind didn't i yeah 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 i noticed a little bulge in your pants <laughs> and um yeah thought you were um in love with it well i was, didn't know until much later that i was actually meant to be there uh riding up your challenger <laughs> yeah your big block challenger. Yeah, the AP5, it's different. And um, I've been told I'm different a lot of the time. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I sort of build them as I like. And, um, yeah, I find that there's yeah, a fair few people around the place that seem to like what I like. So, yeah, it's a good thing. I think it's an incredible car, that AP5. We'll, just, we'll post some photos, but just to describe it for us, it's uh, still a six-cylinder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've got um, two... Well, they're past their teenage years, daughters now, so I basically wanted to build them a car that they could drive on their P-plates. Um, so, yeah, maintain the old slant six-inner. Um, did a little bit of work, rebuilt the engine. Uh, it's got a better stage three cam, extractors, little four-barrel holly on it. Um, it's by no means a horsepower machine, but, yeah, it's a um, good, honest old girl. Push button auto, it's a good cruiser. It's honestly one of my lotto win cars. When I win the lotto, you're just going to have to text me a number. Just text me. Like yeah. I'll think it's a phone number. Go, that's good. It's beautiful. It's got the custom uh, roof job that you've done a, a couple of AP5s with that same style, haven't you? One for your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done um, oh, my AP5. I also did a Canyon flake job on a mate's AP6. And then I've also done a 51 Chevy roof as well. Um, but yeah, it's just getting time to have a play with that sort of thing um, with everything else that's going on. Well, I wrote uh, in the article about you and your mate at the drags in your car. Can you tell us that story? It is just awesome. Yeah, well, we have a local um, Mopar show up in Mackay and it just happened to coincide with a um, street meet at Palmyra Drag Strip. Uh, the Dodge was actually meant to go down and go down the strip but um it shit its alternator the night before the show so yeah the ap5 went down and 
mate in his AP6 and myself in the AP5, we were out there pulling runs in the um, Vals. Um, I think the times were about 18 and a half seconds, but <laughs> out of out of about the um, 15 runs we did, I think the biggest margin was 0.03 of a second. So, yeah, the crowd had so much time to enjoy the nose-to-nose <laughs> race. And <it> funny. <laughs> I just think that's an excellent thing. I would have loved to have been there, and you, you told me the kids were high-fiving their favourite Valiant, and they were... That's just so cool, man, and that is why you are a mutt. That is why you're one of my favourite car builders. And and when I just seen that Valiant, I lost my mind. But that would have been so much fun at a drag to see them tear guards going down. You did mention you've got a three-quarter cam and twin exhausts on your AP5, and I also wrote that into the story. Do you want to, uh, want to tell us what that led us to? Oh, yeah, that's because I built it for the daughters, Um we have a Christmas party for our local car club and normally it's at my place, Mount Mopar, so while we're getting ready for the party, I send them on a treasure hunt. The girls took the AP5 out for the treasure hunt and it was actually schoolies week in Early Beach, so you could imagine how many of the local constabulary were out and about. Yep. Uh, she, got, she got pulled over for a random breath test. The police officer did a lap around the car while she's blowing in the bag and noticed the twin pipes and the little lumpy note it's got and um, came to her and said, you know, I noticed your P-plate's on there. You're not allowed to drive a V8. And she said, no, it's only a six-cylinder. And he's saying to her, no, well, it's got twin pipes. I can hear it's a V8. So then they asked her to pop the bonnet and, um, yeah, silly me, I hadn't actually shown her how to pop the bonnet on the old girl, which... Any Valiant owners will know it's out the front. So apparently there was herself and her passengers and about three coppers all trying to get the bonnet open. And it was only until one of them actually laid down on their back and had a look from up underneath and saw that it was only a six-cylinder that they let her go. That's just bullshit, isn't it? (laughs) It's such a lovely car. You can tell from 100 miles away. You can tell from 200 miles away somebody's built this car, and especially your daughter driving it, and you built it for her. Come on, mate, this is one of the cars on the road. That she, your daughters can probably actually drive a car. Like They could probably drive a motor car in the wet. They could probably drive a motor car on dirt. You know, These are the, the kids coming up in the scene, and it's just such a beautiful car, mate. I, I, I had to laugh, and I think I may have misquoted you when I wrote that story in the article. I thought you told me your daughter was crying, and I wrote in the article she was, and she'd give you a rev to give me a rev. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, Redmond's right. always bullshit, and I take any notice of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said Red will never let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> Absolutely, you have got an awesome, awesome stable as well. So tell us about your green car, which is just—I've got it. I put a video on Pong Slap. Is it you pants in the fuck? You had a bit in your shed. Is it a '73 Dodge Challenger? Uh, I've owned it. It's actually probably the longest I've ever owned a car. I think at the moment it's about nine years. Um, yeah, it runs a pretty stout 440 big block with Edinburgh multi-point injection, uh, manualized 727, just eight and three-quarter diff. Uh, spent three and a half, four years building that one. I actually pulled it off the road to give it a quick paint job so I told the missus, and um, yeah, <laughs> four years later, and uh, a lot of the fold and stuff, um, yeah, she's a goer, and yeah, it's been on the road now, 
Oh, I think for about four or five years in the current um, form. Um, thanks to Cyclone Debbie, it got a fair bit of paint damage on it, and it's currently actually sitting in the shed in a million bits in primer, ready to spray again. So, oh, right, yeah, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, it'll um, have a new coat of green on. I know that you're a fairly humble guy and you're not giving yourself anywhere near enough credit. I've seen this car and it is incredible. The, and actually, one thing, you painted yourself, Chris, you're not a painter by trade. You're actually a diesel fitter, aren't you? Ah, don't swear at me. No, I'm a, actually a um, car mechanic. Oh, you're a car mechanic, a nut fucker. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Diesel fitters are out with mechanics that didn't make it past grade seven. Boilermakers with a head bashed in, I call them. <laughs> I'm a truck mechanic. Um, so you don't give yourself enough credit. The paint was absolutely beautiful and this whole car was stunning to the point it beat a really famous car at the car show for best paint, didn't it? And I know you won't tell us that, so I'm going to make you. Um, yeah, it wasn't actually best paint. It was actually it beat it for car of the show and that was um, HQ for you. So, yeah, yeah I'm pretty... Um, Proud of that effort because um, I know HQ for you is one of your all-time favourites. So and it's owned by yeah. a panel beater spray painter. So, I mean, you're, you're doing this yourself at home. And you, you oversimplified it when I when I asked you about painting. You said, oh, if you fuck it up, you just rub it off and start again. That's fairly oversimplified <laughs> considering that I painted the fucking bonnet of my ute with hammer finish because I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah, that's basically it. You, you go as you learn and, I mean, if you stuff it up, you learn not to do that again. So, but yeah, I've found there's plenty of different ways you can stuff something up and have to do it again. So yeah, but it's all just about trial and error, and yeah, the good old YouTube gives you some good points on how to do stuff. It's not bad for camel toes either. I look a bit of that on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of different things on YouTube for us old fellas. You're uh, the president still of the local car club after six years i finally got to step down um which has aided in my shed no end um gives me a little bit more spare time to get in there and um do what i've got to do one thing that i think we share and i really enjoyed in your shed apart from everything was your magazine collection out on the rack and stuff and you did i'd never thought of it but you did say to me because we put the valiant into a magazine which is now yep. fine, and and you said, oh, I'm just really keen to get, you know, I'm, I'm something. Something I've always wanted to do is get a car in a magazine, and that got me a bit passionate for it. When I sent it to the gentleman who was the editor, then I think it came in at about eight thousand words. <laughs> it was like just way too big. He sent it back and said, "Have another go." <laughs> so I had to chop it, had to chop it down, chop it down. But I, I love your magazine rack with all your magazines. That was cool. Good to have a look at that. It was bit of a hoarder. I don't like throwing stuff out and. Um yeah, and I need to keep a hold of them. Unlike um, Simon yourself, I, you just blow me away that the ability to recite what was in you know, a street machine from 10 years ago. Um, I mean, I, I can remember the cars, but yeah, who built them, what they had in them, I got no hope. So yeah, I need that reference material there if I need to know anything like that. I always said that a car club should have a library anyway, too, you know, like they say, it should, should, should sort of say nothing better than, all. Well, there's plenty of things better, but it's also good to get back into your 80s magazines, your 90s, your 2000s, and I noticed in the latest Street Machine, Broads put a uh, late model car in there, and I enjoyed that, it was a uh, SS, it was a pretty cool car. Yeah. Tell us about the engine in the Challenger. I actually bought it as a crate engine from the States, um, 
I was pretty lucky when I did the build on that, that the Aussie dollar was up around the dollar six US. So yeah, a lot of stuff come from the States for that, but it's uh, um, 440. It's meant to have about 550 horsepower if it was running just a holly on the Yankee fuel. Um, so I would think it'd have a little bit more. Um, running the multi-point EFI and on Aussie 98 fuel. Uh, yeah, big solid cam. It's alloy Edinburgh heads. Uh, yeah, the multi-point, nice set of extractors on it. Um, yeah, it's cranky as on the cam side of things. So yeah, I drive around and everyone keeps telling me to push the choke in. <laughs> I get to post the video of your shed burnout again. That's yeah, that's right. Of course, a little while ago, I don't know how long. It's actually a while ago. Now you sent me a text. I'm coming to Townsville for a cruise. Do you want to jump in? And I was, what did I say? Bring your fucking earmuffs. I tend to talk a bit. And you took uh, you took me for a cruise. It was really fun in that big block then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a cruise. And um, I don't know if you've told it, Ron, but um, yeah, remember how you being the local, I thought you would have known where we were going and. <laughs> Yeah, we ended up in the back blocks of towns or somewhere, and I said, do you, do you know where we are? And you said, oh, I have not got a fucking clue. <laughs> I've only lived here 13 years, but I still don't know the way around the fucking joint. I'm like, oh, you left, and then right, and left. You, you said, sure, we got to go left. And I said, oh, fucking, I'm making it up. I don't know. <laughs> and because we're two old fellas, we weren't sitting there on our phone with, what is uh, Google, my map or whatever the fuck. We were just, oh, let's just get lost. I was enjoying it. I just didn't shut up. Actually, we went and got ice cream, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went out. Well, that's what the end um, end point for the cruise was, was the ice cream shop, but everyone else had just about finished their ice cream by the time we got there. <laughs> and then I loaded up on it. I remember, I've got it on my phone, the video. I remember we were cruising that big block Mustang was beside us. It's, it's got uh, big block number plates too. I can't remember. Uh, it's, it's number plate was like 429... Um, something or other but at one stage you're going down through uh nathan street there and we were in your car and it was beside us it was just awesome i was just loving it yeah yeah oh that's uh, the best part uh owning a street machine or any car is driving it absolutely um, agreed anything i build gets the ass driven off it um yeah whenever we go anywhere in that challenger um or i could count the number of times on my hand it went on a trailer and basically the only reason why I would have gone on the trailer is I thought, well, I'm going to pants it. If I break it, it's a long way home. So, yeah, basically the trailer is for the return trip, not for the trip there. <laughs> what was the video of you said to me if you pants it on the dirt? Uh, that was at the Burdekin show. They actually have some grass events there. The Dodge, uh, they actually ended up, Basically, similar to the Summonats event, they have a Green Champion Award. So you have to go in everything, and they have the show on the shine, a go to woe, and the grass events. And um, yeah, the Dodgers actually come away as, yeah, basically Grand Champion for that weekend. That I absolutely had a ball. Was pulling um, the display off it for the show on the shine, and this fella come over me and he said, oh, are you going home? And I said, no, mate, I'm getting ready to go on the grass events. And he looked at me and he said, you're a fucking idiot. And I said, what do you mean, mate? And he said, you're not putting this car in the grass event, are you? 
I said, if you come over there to the fence there and watch, you'll see. And, yeah, I just pants the ass out of it. It looked um, look good. You can tell it's a high-end car. You can tell, like, from the video, it's 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 a very, very good-looking car. And you can tell it's a <laughs> You're just pantsing it. And I'm like, go, Goody, go. That's our boy. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was awesome. What, yeah, um, no, drive. what got you into cars? Um... Oh, probably my earliest memory of cars. The old man was pretty much into cars, but he originally had a 351 XD Falcon. And um, grandparents lived about three quarters of an hour drive away in Bowen. Um, and so every Sunday we used to go up there to visit them. And I can remember him, he'd be cruising along the highway and the three of us kids would be in the back seat. And he'd turn around, he'd say, you ready to take off, kids? And we'd all cheer and yeah, and he'd just floor it, slam it back into second gear and, you know, feed the old buddy 351. That's awesome. And, I can hear it. I can, in my mind's, in my mind's eye, I can hear that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was it. Just the, you know, the slamming of the second gear and feeding it. That was it. I was into cars and... I ended up getting my first car, which was a AP5 that my um, grandfather passed away. I actually got given that at the age of 12. I think my old man might have thought I was going off the rails, so he thought, here, I'll give him this car to play with and he'll never be able to afford anything. And, um, <laughs> and, and I'm, what, 40, what are we now, 47? I still can't afford anything because I'm spending money on cars. <laughs> Oh, I think it's a good habit. That's what they say. It'll keep the kids off drugs because they won't be able to them. I think there's never a true... We're a pretty uh, tight community, our car guys. I really I really enjoy being in the scene and everybody that does all different stuff from, you know, Shannon with Tough Escort through to you. And, hey, what's the story with the Gherkin? Yeah, that um, that was my original AP5 and it was painted um, bright green, bright metallic green. And it was actually nicknamed by all mates and everything is a gherkin and i don't know if you remember back in the 80s the trend was to actually put your name on the corner of the boot of the car yeah so um being half illiterate um mechanics i went to the sign writer and i said i want a gherkin vinyl cut you know this big to go on the car so they cut it and We've stuck it on, and mates and I are all buddy, you know, wrapped it. We've got the car named. So I drove around for two weeks, and then um, my mother come past one day, and she said, you realise that's spelt wrong? And I said, what do you mean? And um, the sign writer had actually left the H out of Gherkin. <laughs> so I've been driving around with a car with Jerkin written on the back. <laughs> the, the funny thing, when you tell me that story, I'm sure that Simo has got the same story. I'm, him and Paul, I think they had a car named Gherkin and they misspelt it the, the same way as well. I'm, I'm sure that's that story. I'll, I'll get Simo to uh, to reunerate that. But you know what Simo's like. He's the only guy I've ever seen mow the lawn in a blackout with a fly mow. Yeah. Because you and him worked together, yeah. didn't you? used to. Yeah, 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 in a um, previous job. But, um, yeah, that old Gherkin, that was the start of me cost. Uh, customising cars. It actually, I reckon, would still be to this day the only AP5 that had an XF Falcon front bumper and spoiler on it. 
Yeah, cool. It's actually, I've, I've got a photo of that. You sent me that photo. I've got a photo of that on my phone, except getting photos out of your phone's fucking hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's getting incredibly harder. It's just, I used to, when I used to fly, because you have to, you used to have to put it on flight mode. I used to sort all my photos out into albums, but yeah, then then I just didn't. <laughs> what do you build yeah. now? What do you got in the build now besides the uh, Green Girl? Um, I've actually got a probably the biggest custom I've ever done. I've got a 1947 Plymouth sedan. Yep. Well, started out life as a four door sedan. Uh, got adventurous and did a six inch one piece rooftop on it. Um, probably two years ago now. And then it sort of sat while I was doing some other projects. Um, and everyone I sort of spoke to said, yeah, why are you doing a four-door? And I said, yeah, well, it's easier. And drew some lines on there one day thinking what it looked like as a two-door. Uh, one evening after probably half a dozen beers, <laughs> I got the angle out. And, um, yeah, turned it into a two-door. So... It's now six-inch chopped, two-doored. It's had a four-inch channel job over the chassis as well. Um, started looking at what it was going to cost to build a blown small block to put in it. In these days, you don't get much change out of the 2025 grand. Mm. So then I found a 2006 300C Chrysler, thinking, oh, well, I'll, I'll put the 5.7 litre out of the Chrysler into it. But as things do and you get more and more adventurous, it's actually now got all the running gear out of the Chrysler in it. So it's oh, full cool. suspension, steering, brakes, um, full ass bend out of the 300C in there. It's running the 300C motor gearbox. Wow. Um, so basically it's all the whole internals of the 300C is going into this 47 sled. I'm looking um, at it now because it's your profile photo, so I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so, yeah, only a couple of weeks ago I actually got it running and driving. Um, so, yeah, that was a big milestone. Still got a fair bit to do on it, but, um, yeah, she's going to be well and truly a one-off. Um, it's still going to maintain all the modern necessities like ABS brakes, traction control, air conditioning, power steering, um, all that sort of thing. So yeah, you're a clever motherfucker, eh? This thing's all built in your shed too, eh? That's unbelievable. I like to do everything I can myself, and if I can't do it, I give it a go anyway. Probably eighty percent of the time it works. If it doesn't, I throw it in the bin and try something else. <laughs> but uh, I remember when you bought the three hundred, you said, "Oh, I'm gonna. This is a donor car." Then a few months later, you're like. I'm still driving it. It's going to be so hard to stop driving. They're good, them old things, eh? What year is it? It's 2006. Yeah, 2006. And I ended up actually driving that for 12 months. So I <laughs> bought it unregistered, but um, yeah, went through six months rego on it. And after six months, I was still enjoying driving it. So yeah, I put another six months on it. But um, yeah, putting the first angle grinder through that sort of took a bit. <laughs> Yeah, you like said a couple of cans of lunatic soup. <laughs> yeah. but I mean, for the cost of the donor car, I've got basically every, just about every component I need to build the um, Plymouth. So I'm probably going to get out of the whole build 
for less than what a blown small block would have cost. Yeah, that's right. And what, what are you, what's your idea with the car? Is it going to be street reg to street car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on building it to be able to jump in it and drive twelve to uh, twelve hundred k's to Brisbane if I want. Yeah, um, cool. And that's one of the main reasons why keeping all the creature comforts because um, you've got to keep the wife happy too. Well, I laughed at your Valiant, your AP5. When, when I actually broke it down a little bit to write, I, I understood more about the car because you've got air conditioned in there, a stubby holder, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't, yeah. Super cheap stubby holders yeah. that hook it off. And you said you take the girls, one of the girls can drive you, sit in there, and you know, you've got the air conditioner, got your tinny, and, and off you go up. I, I, you've driven that thing miles too, haven't you, that AP5? Sorry to bounce between cars, but I'm just trying to get it all done in yeah. half an hour. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that AP5, two weeks after the build was finished, I actually drove it to Cooley Rocks from Airlie Beach, which is, I think we actually did like 3,000 K round trip in the end. Um, and it never missed a beat the whole way down and back. It's done multiple trips to Townsville. Um, yeah, it's got some Ks racked up on it. Same as the Dodge. It's been driven to Townsville that many times now and to shows everywhere and um one great yeah. sorry sorry to butt in but one great thing about australian built cars is the stories that we get now of their longevity can you tell the story of your diff of your final drive in your valiant because I, I wrote that as well that's a brilliant story can you tell us that please yeah well that was what we had on the road a few years now but um put it up on the hoist and before we did the um gold coast run i thought oh, i better change the um diff oil in it and those old bog warners you've got to pull the back cover off to get it out and when i pulled the back cover off there was actually sediment halfway up the back cover um in the shape of the cover thought, oh this doesn't look good so i've scooped all the gunk out and just degreased it and actually hosed it out blew it dry filled it up with oil took it for a lap come back and drained it again, filled it up, and I have not heard from that diff. It does not make sound. So, yeah, no, it's – and the guns that was in there would have been original because when I first pulled that um, diff cover off, I was actually cracking the original paint. So the diff cover hadn't been off in, geez, what's that, nearly 60 years. That's unreal, isn't it? It's Australian engineering, you know, made here and with, with you know, loose tolerances. Let's, yeah, let's, let's admit that, loose tolerances. But just, you know, in the heat, in your, especially where you live, the heat up here in North Queensland, man, that thing, axle, that rear axle would have been under some heat and just didn't bother it. You know, yeah, not, not a that problem. Was actually, I actually scored that um, car probably about two blocks away from your place when I originally bought it. Really? Yeah, yeah, it come from up um, towns away. I'd swear that car, it's one of my lotto win cars. So when I win, you know, 60 million, I'm, going, I'm stopping in at HQ for you. I'm stopping in at your place. Simon, I've spoken about it before. I really would like to build, you know, with my lotto win, I'd really like to build some cars. Like I'd just either buy your car or get you to build me one exactly the same. I'd get HQ for you built. I built Rex Webster's FJ. I'd go and get an FJ and get it. Send it to one of these clever guys and get him. You know, I wouldn't give a fuck if I had a million dollars. You know, get him to. What would you build if if you had a lotto win? What car would you build? Um, I'd actually have to say the Plymouth that I'm building now, but 
it'd probably have a Hellcat engine, not just a seven, uh, 5.7 litre in it. Sweet. I love when people answer like that. I asked uh, Top Hat Benny as well uh, with his uh, 350LJ and he's just, my 350LJ was just a big block in it. <laughs> you know, so it's it's not about fucking just being able to point your finger and get what you want. It's, it's about what you want is what you actually want. It's awesome, eh? Yeah, and that's the whole reason to build your own car is you get exactly what you want and it's built how you want it. Yeah, and the purists, they can take one they are sort of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's just what you get the joy out of driving. Um, and another reason is, yeah, the smiles on people's faces when they see your car. Um, yeah, when, when you're cruising and kids giving you the thumbs up and that sort of thing, yeah, that, that's part of the enjoyment of the car ownership is actually putting a smile on someone else's face. I think so too. I like the eyes, the evil eyes on you, scooping your challenger. That, that's cool. You said the kids love it wherever you know. You go, you know, when you're on your bonnet scoop, the on your, what's that called? Yeah, yeah. Shotgun scoop under yeah. the scoop. Yeah, you actually see the eyes when you look down the front of the TA scoop. Um, yeah, kids absolutely love it. You know, I've had that many people say, oh, yeah, those eyes look like shit or whatever. I said, oh, well, I'm not trying to impress you, but buddy, <laughs> kid down there was buddy loving it. Yeah. My sister told me a good one the other day. She said, um, your opinion of me is unimportant. <laughs> isn't, that yeah. clever? isn't that clever? Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly how everyone should live their life, basically. Yeah. She switched on my sister. That was just funny. She told me someone at work said something to her, and she's like, well, your opinion of me is unimportant. <laughs> Yeah. Shut down. It might drop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Cordy, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go back to work, buddy. That's my half hour up, but um, there's not no. much uh, going on, so I'll have to just crew. I might go and see if I can become the workshop hide and go seek champion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you pulled that um, commie of yours out of the shed yet or what? Yesterday, actually. Funnily you mentioned that. I pulled it out yesterday. Yeah. I've got to get some more parts for it. I am thinking of uh, doing some work to it, but I actually put a battery in it. <laughs> the kid next door came and see me a while ago, about three weeks ago. He goes, have you got a car battery? Went, yeah, mate, yeah. So I'll give it to him. Right, eh? Just that one out of VK. Yeah, I think yesterday or the day before, I went and said, um, how'd you go with that car battery? He goes, yeah, good, mate. It's perfect. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I went, fuck. <laughs> right, as I just left. He's only a kid. Fuck him. He can have it. Man. It's all, I've got the world's best neighbours have always said that. So they put up with my yeah. shit. Actually, yeah, they put up with my shit. They, uh, they deserve a fucking medal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no worries at all. Yeah, we'll have to catch up again at some stage. I definitely think so. Um, you keep you keep sending me invites to your stuff, and every time it's on, I work week on, week off, and for about four fucking shows in a row, it all lined up, so I wasn't, I was at work, so that kind of sucked. Hey, there's a Holden show in Townsville soon. Yeah, yeah, I'll stay away from that one. <laughs> you might catch AIDS. <laughs> What was the other thing I had to say? I think we might call this part one of the Coit Chronicles, man, because I'd really like to get you on again because your stuff's interesting. You're very good at it. You're a humble guy, and we, we appreciate you, man. I, I, I'm definitely speaking for Simon and myself, absolutely. No, I just love getting in the um, shed and doing what I'm doing, and yeah. Yeah, that, that is true, but I, I've, I've got to get some antibiotics. I think I'm allergic to my spanners. <laughs> Uh, fuck, by the time I get home or whatever, I was only talking to my cousin the other day, last time I did push spanners. I envy my nephew, Bull, he he used to live in town, so he used to do all of my work on my cars and love it. And he, him and his my brother, 
his dad. They love it. They will just go in the shed, mate, and they just yarn and work on stuff. And when I go into the shed, it feels like I'm in a washing machine. I fucking hate it. I feel like my head's pounding. I'm like, fuck this. But I, I, I do it um, I do it under protest. But I'm going to have to get my... Last time I built my VK, when I built the VK the first time, the blue one, I actually wasn't on the tools at work. So it wasn't as bad. I get home. I had all my tools at home because I didn't need them at work. So it was a bit better for me that way. Now that I'm actually working on the tools full time, are you believing any of this excuse or are you saying, fucking shut up, Red, and go and do it? No, 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 I'm believing it because <laughs> at the moment um, that's probably why I get a lot done at home because the role I'm in, not very much hands-on. It's more sitting behind a computer that sort of numbs your brain. So, yeah, to get home and actually do something with your hands and make shit, yeah. And you're that, incredibly, incredibly good at it. <laughs> One of the best. Some, some people call it work, but at the moment, that's the R&R time. Yeah, absolutely. I said that to somebody the other day. We've got this Slack guy at work and he turns up and everybody says, oh, how was your break? But, you know, I said to him, how was work? Good to be back on break. <laughs> Fuck you, Red. And he stormed <laughs> off of the shits. Anyway, you get that. Hey, Cordy, I have to go or else I'm not going to be fucking employed. But thank you very much. And this is part one. And um, give my love to your family, mate. No worries. Say good day to the dog. I will. I actually laughed out loud when he started telling the story about his dad and the Falcon in the 80s. That sort of stuff's just great memories. Next up, for our Moot Rocket big marathon we're doing today, we actually have Simon Telford, a.k.a. Telfo. Take it away, Red. Hey, g'day, Simon. How you going, mate? Good, mate. G'day, Redman. How are you? I'm going very well, sir. Thank you for taking the phone call. We've, uh, I hear a rumour that you're a pretty decent man with a Moot Rocket. I've got a, I've had a couple of rockets in my time. <laughs> well, this I'm, is true. I might actually introduce you properly to everyone. This is Simon Telford, of course, the owner of a uh, custom Holden. We will get into the seedy underbelly of why he might be now the former owner, but for right now, we'll just say the owner of a custom EJ Holden. Thanks, Telford, for coming on and having a bit of a chat about your car, mate. So, no um, it has a bit of a, a funny story to it, but tell uh, tell us a little bit about the car. My EJ, so. I've always been an FJ guy, so my first car was from when I first got my license was an FJ. So you know, rev motor, triple SUs, drum brakes, you know, big wide 13 inch steelies with BF Goodriches on it, painted up like an Appendix J car. And I hooned around Sydney for probably a decade in that. I drove to work up and down Parramatta Road, up and down Epping Road, just terrible, terrible stuff you shouldn't be doing in a really nasty little roller skate like that. Broke down all the time, like NRMA membership was the best thing ever. Got me out of so much trouble. And eventually that car, like it had this big thick water pipe in the sills, like uh, somebody had replaced the sills with this big round pipe. So it was never gonna be an ace car. And I kind of beat it to death. So I got rid of it and didn't have an old car for a little while. And then I was up in Queensland at Paul Kelly, who's a, a king of customs up there. Yep, really no cool problem. old digger. And somebody up there was running around in a and an EJ and I, they threw the keys to me at lunchtime so I went down to the fish and chip shop and got lunch for everybody and by the time I came back I'm like oh, I need to have an old car again this is so good and yep the old diggers got their heads together and found me a car like a $600 running like today it would be a six grand car so full of rust but running and they kind of yeah strong armed me into buying it and um, my intention was just to you know bog the rust up and drive around as a rat rod as you do but that is kind of hard to do like um and i kind of strong arm myself into fix getting the rust fixed properly so andrew clatworthy 
He's a, a man with a beautiful beard who moved from Queensland and New Zealand a few years ago. He took the rust out for me, and then Paul started the custom body mods. And the idea was to build like a 60s custom. So in the 60s, before the paddle van era, what every young bloke, every young buck in every suburb in Australia and every country town was customizing cars. It was a massive craze. We've kind of, it's disappeared from our collective consciousness, but all over the country, guys were adding uh, quad cannon headlights and changing different grills and different headlights and taillights and valiants and falcons and especially early holdens all over the country. It was a massive, massive craze. And I guess there was no, apart from car magazines, there was no way of recording this history. So it's kind of a bit lost. And the next big wave of um, fashion, I guess, was the van series. And by that time, we had, you know, much more advanced ways of capturing this stuff. So the van thing has stayed on in our memory, but the custom era has kind of disappeared. So That's a good uh, comment. That's, yeah, that's spot on, actually, yeah. So knowing all these old diggers like I do, they and having being into customs, both the American style and the Australian style, I thought I'd build it kind of like in that uh, memory of those sort of cars. So, you know, we extended the fins. Paul made these amazing... Uh, bubble kind of tail lights we got rid of the badge on the front ej's had this really ugly badge that sits in the middle of the bonnet we got rid of that and extended the bonnet out and then it ended up painting it in uh, candy paint and uh with uh, scallops and a um, metal flake roof and putting in all custom trim which was based off a of buick of the same era the car i went to drive them was my mum's tirana which was a typical uh kind of like late 70s early 80s run around you know dad put sort of the full l34 uh, spoilers and everything on it and a set of orange five spokes and those five spokes after the car went we kept the wheels and i replaced i uh, got them um got them all fixed up because my sister and i was learning to drive on this car and of course we gutted the hell out of those wheels just terrible so i fixed them all up painted them up put them on the cj because you know just as a tribute to that car which was a big featured big in our childhood you still had your dad's wheels after all this time yeah yeah it was mum's wheels Oh, your mum's yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was pretty go. cool. And, uh, yeah, and we um, put it... I wanted to keep... The, like, the whole drive line was still basically stock EJ. And I got... Um, we had a few bits and pieces of, you know, grey motor hot-up gear sort of on the wall of the shed just as sort of, you know, man cave decoration. But I, So I took the twin-carb manifold off, off the, the old man's wall <laughs> and, um, and another old mate of mine, Lindsay Wilson had plenty of cool old Holdens, um, including a Norman Bone uh, FC wagon, I think, or an EK wagon. Oh, yeah. He gave me an old set of um, uh, extractors from the 60s, Sonic Extractors, which is a brand that doesn't exist anymore. And they were full holes as well, but I, I could have bought like brand new ones off the shelf for way cheaper, but got these ones, fixed all the holes, got them all coated, really proud of those. Little, little piece of history. And the other cool thing on the engine was the camshafts, so McGee uh, camshafts and fuel injections are a big name in the early days of Australian hot-up gear, like uh, right back to the grey motor days and flathead days almost. Oh, and yeah. the old, old man McGee, he, had a sh he made his first cam grinder and uh, was grinding cams out of the bottom of his house, under his house, I think at Manly in, in Sydney. Yeah. And then they moved to a servo like where King's Cross and Darlinghurst, sort of the meeting point of those suburbs. And for years they were running out of there and very big in speedway, like making injection for grey motors and other things in the speed the speed car era in the late 60s, like kings of that era. And then the Suns went on to do top fuel. They built like uh, multi-valve overhead, overhead cam uh, top fuel motors and raced in the States, got banned by the 
NHRA and all that sort of gear, and they did really early fuel injection. So very cool family. And they had sold out to a guy in uh, up near Gympie, old digger that was you know part of their crew for years and years and years. And he ground me a grey motor camshaft, like a genuine McGee camshaft. So super stoked with that. And yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the long and short of that car in terms of yeah what it was. I like I like the attachment to the genesis of the car. Your dad's wheels. You got the you know the intake manifold off the wall and that sort of stuff. I remember reading an article on it, and there was some great advice that you. I think you wrote the article, and it says, "I bought a rusty shit heap car from the start. This exactly the sort of car that I have uh, advised my friends never to start from. <laughs> never to start their project from. And the other thing, I think somewhere along the line, you and I spoke or something. I got a. What do you call a grey motor? Just tell everyone it. I still piss myself when I read it. A grey matter? Is it? Wasn't it you who calls it the old grey matter? Sounds like something I'd say. It's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it was. Um, custom still exists. There's still a few custom, you know, custom around. A few guys that do customs around. But yeah. um, how, how did the think tank work out for that car? Did you guys sit down and go, right, let's do the, the, the fins excite me. That's pretty exciting because something that you read in magazines or something that is, is a current trend is, okay, well, you know, uh, old mate built his Monaro or he built his uh, X-Boss or his GT. You couldn't tell the difference in the bodies until you stand it next to a stock one. Whereas custom is the exact opposite. You go, wow, that is so different to any other you know car I've, I've seen yeah. or whatever. It's, how did you guys think this up? Did you sit around and start or did you just start building and shaping and modifying? Or like, hey, let's try no, this? Or No, like uh, Paul Kelly works with a guy called Aiden Jacoby. Mm-hmm. He's also, also a Queenslander. He, Aiden's a mad dog. He... Uh, He's an amazing artist and it does a lot of concept drawings for lots of different cars and he also builds cars and um, you you two would get on like a house on fire I'll tell you what you two would be dangerous you know somebody would be in jail by the end of <laughs> he loves a chat for a night <laughs> yeah loves a chat he's a wild you know loves a dream and yeah but between the three of us uh, he does between the three of us um, yeah we sort of came up with all, all the ideas yeah Aiden drew it up and went from there yeah so like you say, it's like I think sometimes if you throw three hundred thousand dollars at this car and you do all these really subtle body mods and you know nobody can tell, it's all, it's kind of like on one hand it's like what's the point? On the other hand, it's like the car is almost like the way just say an XA or XB coupe. The guy that designed that in the first place made it really really swoopy and super sexy, and then by the time it goes through all the production process and the marketing and the bean counters, it's never quite as sexy as it as the original design. Yeah, that's so right. So I think the idea of custom is to make it as if those original designers had their way. So the guy that first designed the EJ, if he had have had his way and got exactly what he wanted, that's what we're going for. The wings a bit more pronounced, all the Gumby bits shaved off, a bit more influence from you know Buicks and Pontiacs and stuff like that. I think that's what we're going for. Yeah. No, I agree. Not have to put the the road rego stuff in there. The guy that went in, the guy that done the original concept, he just drew a car as if he was. You know, as if you just drew a car, it didn't have to have the blinker located, you know, 150 mils from the ground and, and stuff like that. The, the, that EJ, yep. your moot rocket, has been a lot of things. I've kind of followed it a bit. It's, it's been your daily driver, you know, obviously. A trophy winner? You won a trophy with it? Yeah, yeah, won a couple of trophies. I don't know how. I'm terrible at detailing cars. Boris Miskibiku works with us. He, when I first took it to Summonat, it's the very first time we finished that car, like New Year's Eve, and I went into Queensland Rego and got my plates, New Year's like 4.55, like Blues Brothers style, you know. Cook um, County Assessor. Yeah, very much exactly like that. And pretty left that night kind of thing. Um, 
and rocked up to someone that's filthy and he was Boris was horrified because Boris is super super into cleaning cars and super anal with that stuff so he should have taught me what to do and sort of how it asked them all a few of those guys because I've never owned a nice car before a shiny car all my cars have always been shitters before this <laughs> I, I'm, so I'm, despite not really being a super detailed guy he won best Aussie custom at Greece Fest one year and also at the custom net so was blown away to get some trophies there considering it was my daily driver like I don't pretty much uh, until the last couple of years before before it came to its demise yeah I drove that car daily again yeah. which is probably not the kindest thing to it but also you know pretty cool you road tripped it too road tripped it constantly so the first trip was straight to Summonats and like of course I was late and you know um, anybody who has old grey motors will tell you they're kind of happy at, at 90 kilometres now so flew down there at 120 k's the whole way and um, did a remain seal about 50 k's out of Canberra of course so I dropped oil all over some of that sorry chick um, <laughs> I'm sure you're not the first <laughs> no no and then yeah have road trip the shit out of it ever since um, went to a place called Barkledine or Barkalden depending Barkaldine. on where you're from <laughs> sorry beautiful beautiful joint um, in yeah back Queensland they have a race meeting there once a year which is if you can ever get to it do yourself a favour, you'll have the best time of your life. Yeah, we. so that was its first big trip after the Summer Nats. We went up with Simon Davidson, raced it up there and cruised back and yeah, it, uh, it shat a couple of electrical parts on that trip. Um, I mean, it, it can, the whole car contains four electrical parts. So I've shat a couple, you've had half the electrical system yeah, shut down. <laughs> pretty much, and like we're on a Sunday in Barky, uh, got to go back to Sydney and yeah, where do you find a grey motor regulator? Turns out one of the guys there has an old workshop, like his, his workshop, mechanical workshop, is an old, well, it was an old Ford deal actually, but in his stock was like wrapped in that, you know that waxy paper they used yep. to wrap parts in? Yep. It was like a regulator and the other bits <laughs> and pieces I needed, like brand new. And he's like, and the they, they run that meeting on the same weekend as their footy grand final. Yep. And they also have a big parade down the main, main road, so they try and pack it all in on the one weekend. So he was off playing footy or whatever else he was doing. So he just like, yep, here's the keys. Go do what you got to do. And gave us the run of his workshop. And uh, yeah, we got home safe and sound. But I, since then, yeah, went to Red Centenats, which is of course in Alice Springs. That's epic road trip. That was the, a dream. Yeah, all over the country. Uh, that that uh, I've been to Barky. I've done a bit of work out of Barky when I was on field service. And uh, the apprentice I had with us is a good fella. He's now a long, long been a tradesman, but he. Uh, Barky's that sort of place to speaking of football he turned up and he goes can I have a run guys <laughs> they just give him a jumper yeah. inside and him on and out he goes but when just when you're describing you know breaking down in Barcola and needing the parts for a grey motor is it just me or are you hearing like a Henry Lawson poem or you know is it just and then you have the guy opens yeah. the gate and you go in there it's just some great stuff my, my, my theme with road trips just can you describe to me what it's like in the cab of that car just talk us through it I'm, I'm riding to cabs and interiors and oh, sitting in the car just mate. describe it for me please so it looks, looks very pretty. The dashboard, stupidly, is painted in the same metal flake as the roof, which reflects beautifully in the sun. So it reflects all the shit into the windscreen. So that creates kind of your Hunter S. Thompson, uh, you know, trippy uh, visuals coming, without yeah. actually <laughs> taking any acid. So that's yep. good. It's got the shiny uh, steering, you know, metal flake moon steering wheel. Uh, the, the hood lining has little stars. So if you're a passenger, you can lean back and just look up at the stars and the hood lining. So there's a lot, a lot of that to check out. There's the beautiful um, uh, vacuum gauge, yep. which has, is multi-coloured, multi and that, that's also very good for entertaining passengers. 
there is a stereo in it, which is all hidden, sort of in the kick panels and under the seat with a subwoofer and all that shit, because the car is very, very noisy. So the wind noise is off the charts. Yeah. The right, yeah. Uh, side plate noise is off the charts. <laughs> and the squeaking and rattling. Uh, there's an air conditioning thing which we fitted up under the um, dash, which is designed for a Bobcat. So, you know, very small, very tidy, but I never got a, ever got around to putting the compressor on it. So... But of course, it just squeaked and rattled and made it. You know, it was horrible. And them so, squeaks yeah. and, and you know them squeaks and rattles and stuff. That's a that's a streetcar guy. That's that's character. We've got a word for that. It's character. <laughs> yeah. What are yeah. the pews? What pews are we rocking in it? Uh, bu- uh, bench seat, of course. Yep. So my my favourite thing is to have like six people up in that car. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, that, absolutely the best thing. So yeah, there's lots of room on a big road trip to have drinks and whatever else you need uh, to keep you going in the front seat. And um, yeah, so very noisy. And you know, comfortable at ninety k's, but um, you know, one hundred and twenty kind of maxed out top yeah, speed, but uh, one hundred and thirty maybe. But, is, it, you know. there a le- is there a lever on the column for selection of transmission gears? Oh yeah, three speed, of course. Uh, oh three no, speed really? It's a manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Which is, <laughs> which is you know, in uh, Melbourne or Sydney traffic is not ideal, but you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously learning to drive around Sydney and I think, I guess, the 90s in an FJ, that's <laughs> that's fairly... Uh, well, it's weird. The old, the old FJ, you could, um, as you were changing down and coming up to a set of lights, you could give it a rev, stab, you know, yep. give it a rev and it would pull down in the first, whereas and we only really work on FXs and FJs. After that, you couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, whatever right I wouldn't go down through the gate. So you just got to pop it in neutral and roll up. That's, yeah, <laughs> just rock the angel gear. Yeah. That's yeah. And the other good trick on that EJ for road trips was popping the boot open because we had the shaved boot, so it had, had a, you know, a popper out of a Sigma or something and no, no badge or anything. And so, A, if things went really pear-shaped, you couldn't get into the boot, which is <laughs> not cool. Uh-huh. And B, the first road trip I ever did with my missus, we were going to Winter Sun and, of course, left at fucking 11 o'clock at night in the middle of... Uh, Noah's flood kind of a deal and huh, you know at some point the boot popped open and I was looking in the rear vision mirror but you couldn't see shit out of the rear vision mirror anyway and I'm like oh yeah this, there's no cars behind me this is you know obviously people being more sensible than us they're pulling over but in fact I couldn't see because the boot was up and all of our shit was getting covered in water and all her luggage and you know she took that pretty well and uh, I knew I was on a good thing <laughs> did you give her a bit of a cuddle in the bench seat? that's what it's for Yep, no problem. Sounds good, man. What um, we have to address the elephant in the room, unfortunately. Yeah. You know yep, what I'm yep, going to yep. ask, don't you? Yep. Right. Uh, tell us the story of why I actually introduced it as your former EJ. Mm. Well, a couple of years ago, I did a. I was going up the mud run, which is up in the kind of uh, is it the central coastish of New South Wales. It's kind of like Chopped. Webby runs it. Uh, Tony Webster, who's very famous in street machine history as being uh, you know, creator of crazy uh, hot rods and stuff in his own right, but also brother of Rex Webster, and those two you know, collaborated on Rex's FJ. I've heard of it. I've heard of the car. Yeah. So I was heading up there, and of course I left, as usual, at fucking 9 o'clock at night in the middle of pissing rain, which I've done many, many times. <laughs> you, you get, you get and, the job as a logistics manager any day. <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? Um, you know, because you can always make, you can always just keep driving. You yeah. Know, exactly. If you leave late, just keep driving. What the fuck? <laughs> um, it's not a problem. But this on this occasion, the car, it uh, stalled, and which, you know, old cars do. 
and uh, I was on the Monash Freeway, which they've recently widened and they've taken away the, uh, the emergency lanes in some areas. And I was stalled and she wasn't going to catch. And you know, some, you know your car. Like my, yep. you, know, you know when your car's going to catch you when it's not. And she wasn't going to catch. And I thought, maybe I can drive it on the starter mode and just get out of this spot, which I've done before. Yep. Um, I've done that in FJ so much. FJs have a button, starter button, rather yeah, than right, a key. Yeah, yeah. I've done it so much that smoke has started pouring out of the button. <laughs> um, on this occasion, that wasn't going to work. And I'm looking behind me and I can see people, the headlights coming up towards me in the rain in the dark and swerving out of the way. And I went, oh, this is really bad. I'm like, if I pop the bonnet, I can probably fix this. But if I pop the bonnet and somebody hits me, I'm dead. Yeah. So I just got out of the car and hopped the wall. And like two seconds later, this dude ran straight into the backside and pushed the front of the car into the into the wall. And yeah, that was it. He was okay. He was, uh, him and his daughter in the car, but they were all right. I was fine. And about five minutes later, this dude I know from Summonats, who has a Barra-powered Lincoln Continental, really cool guy he pulls up in this ranger that is all set up with all the fucking road shit like the you know all the lights and bells yep. and whistles and puts puts them on and and then uh yeah looks after me and he ended up driving me home and helping me get the car off the back of the trailer and uh that was really good to have a, have a mate there to, to 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 um help me deal with that then i went home and uh found a um a flight to uh coffs harbour and flew up to coffs harbour the next day and went to the mud run anyway so my mate's Came, well, coming down in their trucks. I met him at Coffs Harbour. We went to the mud run and, yeah, so about 12 hours after the crash, I was at the mud run getting pissed. So <laughs> it was very, very weird. But, yeah, the best way to deal with it. Yeah, and so what was the outcome with the car? Oh, she's pretty toast. Um, like anything's fixable. Like um, it's got a big, big fold in the roof and both ends are kind of toast. So yeah, you could fix that body if you, and if it was a phase three, or a you know a 69 charger you would yeah, fix it like yeah. it would be insu- you know to be insured for that much yeah but i'm like you know what i'm going to take this insurance money and buy a house because i'm yeah 40 whatever years old and never owned a house so maybe this is a sign from somebody so we did that and it's just sort of sat there and at some point we could get another shell and put what's left in the shell but you know the trim and the end the, the drive line are all pretty tired the wheels are still good yeah. But at some point, yeah, at some point we can swap it over. But yeah, I just haven't had the heart or the sort of I think resources a, for it. As, as a car guy, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, a frame of mind. Once I've had enough of a car, like I've had 20 street cars, I don't have any emotional, possessional mm. uh, connection with them. I love them while I've got them, and every one of them meant something to me. But you know what, I don't really care. I'm always kind of looking for the next car. Maybe, you, you're right, maybe if I had a, had something, it was a HO or a, a 69 Charger or something. But, yeah, it, it's it's exciting to be able to start a new project. Like, that thing got your house, yeah. and you've still got... You, you, we, we, we go on a little bit at Thong Slap and say, okay, Rex Webster's FJ is gone. It's not really because we still own it here. Your EJ yeah. might be gone, but we really, we still own it here. So we are trying to be a little bit historians in that I really like your comment something I'm going to run with and steal from you unashamedly is Definitely. how that the custom scene wasn't as well recorded because of the medium I've never th- yeah. I've, ne- I've never heard that I've never heard that put into that context but I'm going to run with that and steal it so thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right like we have like with the van scene there's like these ABC TV footage of you know covering the first van nationals and you know and then like the puberty blues movie and stuff like that yeah so there's lots, a lot more coverage of it in magazine, and the whole whole magazine's devoted to it. 
so there's a lot more historical record of it and but just cultural record of it probably the only cultural record of you know in mainstream culture might be the fj holden movie you know yeah exactly I'm, I'm, i've always said that when i uh win the lotto i'm building rec- I'm, not, I'm not i'm getting rex webster's car rebuilt oh. for, for me exactly as it was with a stance as it is every, I'm just getting it here you go and give some one of these clever guys a million dollars go here just tell me when it's finished and I'll go I promise you here now on record I'll put 300,000 k's on it <laughs> yep no that that would be a very worthwhile thing to do what do you like what do you, what do you like in tw- oh, no, I was going to say 2020 I'm going to scrap that what do you like in the modern era of custom what's some good custom that you like at the moment recently uh, uh um, there's a young bloke in South Australia whose name I have just forgotten. He oh. built an F- FB two-door wagon, and he's also built an F- halfway through an FX um, FX coupe. Aaron Bray, it's his name. Yeah, uh, Rusty right. Az is, is his Instagram name. Right, he's also it. working up in Sydney right now with um, OG Customs. That has finished building um, a tribute to the original Heron Forbes, like 1927, I think, like Chevy their work truck. But yeah, he's building a bunch of customs with those guys, so it's really good to see. He's a really talented young dude. There's a bunch of guys like that. Um, and girls who yeah, are really yeah, into absolutely. custom bodywork. So it's, it, we're in a new era. I like what Chick's De- Chick Derbs does, Rachel. I like some of her painting. I, I haven't been around any of that. So some, some of her stuff looks like a point way back to the past. It's really talented. Some yeah. custom stuff you know it's not that's you know your, your average sort of paints and does some weird surfaces and different mediums and this i think a lot of her stuff's custom even though the car maybe not in the cars but yeah she does some good stuff what's the thing with customizing like there was a period in the early 60s where uh detroit was looking at all the stuff that barris guys were doing and they were going oh maybe we should start making cars like that and they didn't that's when you get your 59 cadillacs and 61 cadillacs and all those cars are so they're like factory customs their bodywork was so extreme that by that time guys just went ah let's just pull the stainless off these cars and do really wild paint jobs like panel paint and stuff like that we don't need to do the crazy bodyworks that you know like the Hirohata Merc we don't need to do roof chops or any of that shit we just need to pull the gumby bits off and do these crazy paint jobs and that's a custom and that's kind of what DJ was yeah cool it's, it's, it's a uh a pretty striking car. I, I did like it, and if I didn't like it, I wouldn't say I did. No, I think it was a, a, a very good car. <laughs> it, it's, it's got the holy trinity, really, that EJ. We're, we're going to let it um, enjoy its its uh, its passing, but as a daily driver trophy winner, and got crashed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, yep. what else do you want? Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, fucking drag race, like, very slowly, many, many times. Yeah, and um, I have, might have had a... Might have had a Shagging it at some point. So, yeah. <laughs> it has to have not not a quick one. Let's say it had a thorough rogering <laughs> in it. <laughs> Let's pretend that we're like Monty Python had a thorough rogering. I've heard a rumor about you recently that you are without beard. Yeah, without beard from today because we have to wear face masks in Victoria, and uh, the uh, the old face mask. Uh, if you're out walking the dog or whatever, it fills up with condensation and then runs into the beard, which is unpleasant for everybody. So. Yeah, she came off today. Wow, so that's uh, 2020 can suck a dick. <laughs> it can, absolutely. <laughs> I hope you, I hope you, you know, sorry, yeah? On the, on the upside, you know, I've got my one tonner. After the, um, after I crashed the AJ, I pretty, like the next week, I was looking around for something to buy with the meager funds I had left and um, saw a one tonner up in Munderberg, a 202 four speed. Flew up there and uh, picked her up and drove her home. 
the, the thing with that, we, I think we spoke about it during the time when you've got you can still afford a tonner. They're still affordable. Yeah. You can't afford the border. You can still afford them, eh? Yeah, like wagons, utes, sedans, they're all poison. Yeah. But, you know, for under 10 grand, anybody can get a one-tonner. And, they're, you know, they are going to be clunky. They've, they're like Grandpa's X. Like, out, the one I've got particularly is Grandpa's X. Like, there's, I think the chassis would be the only original thing on it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's cool, and it's earned its keep. It's um, Every time I've had it out, it's carted something around for somebody that whole you know i need one of those stickers yes this is my ute and i won't help you no. move how about but, um the they're one, so handy the one in mount isa the tunnel that that i know of in mount isa i photoed and i've done a store on it still works at mount isa iceworks still does deliveries had about i think the guy said it's had about eight paint jobs in its life he's just had the brakes and everything done it uh you know every every year when it needs it whatever for rego and it's just a one tonner and it's, to him it's no biggie it's just it's just his one tonner and he'll probably sell it with yep. business when he retires also another great one tonner out there is owned by a pair of brothers that <laughs> drove it to uh, Brisbane so many times they lost count from Mount Isa to Brisbane that's not a trip for a, uh, <laughs> for a for a pussy that's uh, what, what, what do you do with the, the tonner just drive it yeah it just doesn't get a heap of miles because uh, I get to I've got um, access to a few different run rounds at the moment but um, yeah just whenever we need to pick something stupid up for work or just for mates it gets a run but I, I think having had it like it's cool but I don't I don't want to sink a bunch of money into it um, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I need a, like a wagon or a, I love a panel van but I think they're out of my reach yeah. so some kind of a, a 70s wagon like I don't care you know what Holden Ford of Valiant um, would be the next thing and then yeah sink some money into that and uh, you know the boys are always in me let's drop an LS into it or you know Ian Kelly wants to drop some weird Nissan V8 into it, but I don't think it's the right cutter. I think I'll. Uh, I think it just needs to keep on earning its keep. Is uh, you know, like that Iceworks car um, um, should be should be used for what it is. I would prefer to drop that motor, like an LS or the Nissan motor, on their fucking office desk. They're talking about a Holden Red there. I'm in the room. Two O Two is a good engine, though, honestly, isn't it? Talky engine, like you know. it's fine. I love driving that back from 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 uh, Bundy, and like always, like NFJ was my first car, and then the next car I got was an LJ trailer. To me, that was like a massive upgrade. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Why have I been putting up with this 1955 shit? The brakes were working at steers. Yeah. And then the next upgrade was to a van Commodore, and I thought I was in a brand new Mercedes. <laughs> so it's the same with one Tana. I went from the EJ straight into one Tana. I'm like, oh yeah, 70s cars, they're cool. And it's like got the, it's got the, uh, you know, the dipper for the high beams on the column. You're like, fucking hell, and the, all the windscreen wiper shit's on the column, which I promptly tore off. Um, radial uh, tune suspension has radial tune suspension so yeah very high tech so yeah does, does it allow you to take some high moral ground when you're around I see you guys get some access to the to a Ranger and some, some other late model lighting tower diesel poo and does it get you to take some high moral ground when you go pull up in the car park and you've got the hold in one time <laughs> it's worth yeah, less than the timing belt on the fucking what is it yeah. Ranger <laughs> pretty much but also, if you want to rip an engine, it's just you pulled an engine out of the car and you need to take it somewhere, and it, you just dump it on the back, and you don't give a fuck. It's like the oil is—it's just oiling up the timber on the tray, isn't it? It's, yeah, like it's a, not. It's not. Whereas precious. if you put anything in the back of one of these ranges, you've got to holy fuck, you've got to lay down all this shit to make sure you don't dent it. I've I've done the project. They're about at 170 kilowatts or whatever. I'm going fucking hell. This this 202 is not that far behind it, except for the last four decades. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Like a Ranger Raptor is, if you wanted to drive, yeah, from uh, Mount Isa to, um, to Brisbane, you'd definitely be more comfortable in the old Raptor. Yeah, I But for fucking seventy or $80,000, it's just not worth it. And especially when you pull up in the car park. Like, the whole trip might be painful in the tunnel, except till you get to the pub car park or the footy yeah. <laughs> Get on, <Yeah>. you bloke. <laughs> yeah, just, then you're a hero. Yeah, and you know what? If I was going to hear, I'd definitely follow you. We've, we've uh, chatted before about you know, adding an esky to it, and like a, you know, and like a, not just an esky, but a um, one of those refrigerated fridges. Yeah, you could run off the twelve volt and you know a CB and a tape player and all that stuff that you need to make it comfy. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the next owner's job. You know, set of hot wires. Ooh, hot wires. Hey, um, unfortunately, I'm just about to finish my lunch break and going to go and earn my keep as court jester slash mechanic in this place of ill repute only because they employ me. I can't respect them. Whenever I argue with them, I go, well, you fucking employ me. Fuck. What? You haven't got a leg to stand on. <laughs> yeah, I Fuck think it. that's the Groucho Marx line who said, I would never belong to any club that would have me as a member. <laughs> exactly. I, can, I fully agree with that, would you? But anyway, uh, it's been really excellent to, to get you on, Telfo. Thanks for giving us your time, mate. And Thanks, Red. Uh, My pleasure. Anytime. I also have got a message here from Simon Major. You may know him. And he said, tell Telfo, thank you for being a mutt. <laughs> so that would get me punched in the face in a pub generally, but I'm sure people who are more aware of a mutt, he wanted to thank you for being one. No, you've reclaimed the mutt for everybody. <laughs> oh, God, I love mutt. Right, Telfo, thanks very much for taking my call, man. I'll, I'll let you get back. And... Um, uh, take care of yourself down there in, in Victoria, buddy, and don't be scared to uh, come up home if it all gets too shit. There's always a spare bed for you and your family. Oh, thanks, mate. No, I'll, I'll just be outside licking, uh, licking the uh, the buttons on the uh, the crosswalk, you know. Well, I've got, uh, yeah, you, you reckon it might, and he just fucking, come on, Corona, give me everything you got. What's that scene in uh, Forrest Gump where Lieutenant ends up on top of the, uh, the ship and he's going, come on, you son of a bitch, give me all you got? That's exactly. Fun. Yeah, you know, if you do get caught without your mask and the cops are trying to find you, I want to see that on someone's phone. I want to see you doing the big fucking. Come on, then give me everything. I want fucking Corona. Right, I tell <laughs> I've got to go, man. Thank you very much. Give my love to your family and honestly, take care of yourself, please. Thanks, big fella. Right, good to talk to you. See you, Telfo. Let's just say that Telfo and Red they recorded that in a helicopter flying over Nam. Now that's the end of this trifecta of Moot Rocket recordings, and we'll have a few more for you coming up this Thursday. So thanks for joining us. Catch you later.